So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. So I'm good. And I've got like an iPhone and a computer screen staring at me. It's like all this technology is staring at me. And uh, I'm going to put on my blue light blocking glasses just to have some line of defense against all of this technology that is uh, invading me, trying to take over my life. Don't worry, as as long as our clits are sync, is fine. Oh, good. Okay, we will put the TVMA, or Podcast MA label on, the, on this episode. This is from one of my associates on Facebook. His name is Dean May. He's a piano tuner. And he and I have sort of, we're not, I I wouldn't call him a friend, but we're associates and we seem to um, be like-minded in certain things politically and religiously and whatnot. So uh, we've sort of interacted a little bit, but I, I, I can't say that I'm friends with him, but he seems like a good guy. Anyway, his profession is piano tuning, and um, he seems to have done well with it, and he seems to be rather good at it, good enough that he can make his living doing it. And he shared the story, and I thought we could perhaps uh, springboard into some, see what happens with our discussion. So, uh, he begins, from fellow tuner Mark Laren, when asked what was his best day of piano tuning. He replies, good question. The best is when I arrived to an old painted and faltering piano that the old lady said had been condemned by another technician. Apparently, pianos can be condemned, kind of like houses. Um, Her kids offered to buy her a keyboard, but she refused. I queried further into who might have done this quite amateur painting of the piano. She then told me that she and her late husband did it together when they were young. I then asked her if the kids were missing the point about her needing any keyboard versus this piano. She told me I was right. I told her the other technician was not wrong, though, given the circumstances, I would see what I could do. After finding the loud, annoying rattle was a caster vibrating on a coaster, I got into it. Apparently those are piano technician uh, technical terms. So he found something uh, that could possibly fix the issue. Uh, I fastened ribs, got a bunch of hammers functioning again, tuned it where it was due to the very rusty strings and extremely low tension, etc. A few hours later, she played it, and she couldn't thank me enough. Her son arrived and spoke of getting a keyboard for her, but he still didn't yet get it. A few days went by, and I got a call from her in tears. She told me, that she's been playing their piano, referring to her and her late husband, for hours every day. She was a frail old lady, but she got a resurgence of life in her when she got to their piano. I knew then 
that were often in the business of the intangible and of dealing with an instrument that carries with it reams of emotion for the people we serve. That was a few years back now, but the tears she was shedding while she told me about her renewed connection to her long-lost husband was, and still is, the best payment that I've received and likely ever will. So he, of course, got paid for his services in U.S. dollars. But the payment, in his mind, was that he had uh, really touched this this old, frail old lady, that uh, she felt a, surgence, a, a resurgence of life. She was... Um, just kind of existing and getting this piano to a point where it could be functional again really served a really cool purpose. I thought I thought that was really interesting. Both how the our payment for things isn't always in money. Of course we need money to get by to pay for things. But oftentimes the <clears throat> we're in the people business, not just the podcasting business or the this business or the education business, we're really serving people. And Sana is, uh, she's so taken by this story that uh, she it has left her speechless. Wow. Honey, I really, really I moved you. I appreciate it. I mean, I really appreciate the story. It's true. Okay. Well, that concludes today's episode. <laughs> Of Bavoshtan. Go to our website so you can unsubscribe. As our esteemed colleague, Basmati Masalacharya, said. Are you going to stop it here? No. I'm hoping that you can say something and contribute to the show. So, honey, what was the moral of the story? I just said the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that... Uh, we are in the people business, no matter what business we're in. Unless you work for the government, then you're in the government business. But even isn't, then, I don't know. Isn't it government <clears throat> supposed to work for people? Yeah, supposed to. Yeah, in your third grade comic book that you read in the public school system. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you get out into the real world, you find out that's not exactly the way it works. What's the, it's what's the problem? the way it works. Huh? What's the problem? What do you mean, what's the problem? Why the reality doesn't match the story in the three, great three comics book. Well, if you go to a public school, it's funded by the government. Well, I mean, it's funded by the taxpayers. But the government sets the curriculum, and they're going to set a curriculum that is favorable to them. It is going to put them in the best possible light in the eyes of the students. So... And that's the case in either communist countries such as Vietnam or so-called free countries such as the United States. If the government sets the curriculum, they're going to make themselves in the best possible light. Honey, I used to have a Chinese classmate when I was doing my master's degree. And uh, there were a group of them. They were very close. And they were telling me one reason why they wanted to travel outside the country and study their degree in another country is because in their schools all the books are rewritten and especially history book the the history book in china says the whole world is only china so those people who do not have chance to travel they actually believe 
that the whole world is only Chinese. And uh, the whole history was rewritten because government wanted to control them. That's what friends told me. And way after, when I traveled to other countries, I noticed every country I go, there are a group of people who talk about their history books and say our history books are all rewritten to suits, you know, our government to show that in the history they have been very strong and they have saved the land, saved the country, and oh, yeah. they are the yeah, yeah, yeah. they are the only one, the beginners. <laughs> right, right, yep. It, it's and it's to varying degrees, but any time the government is setting the curriculum, of course, it's going to make itself look good mm. and make itself the savior of humanity. The government is just watching out for you. Mm. And it's very funny because if you talk to any Iranians like me, uh, they would say for past 40 years when the king was ousted, the new <clears throat> uh, system, they burned all the history books because they wanted to destroy our past, our history. Mm-hmm. They want to build their own kingdom. Right. based on baseless theories or whatever in the religious book they have. That's very sad. Yeah. And we are right. called cradle of civilization <clears throat> in every book. Mm-hmm. And they are going to destroy... Who, who calls it? Like the Iranian textbooks? No. Um, or elsewhere? Elsewhere. Like in the United right. Nations, Mesopotamia or Great... Persia is the cradle of civilization. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's a place in Iran where supposedly the the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. uh, resides, and it's I, I think you described it as you you, you can't access it. It's yeah. somewhere in there, but mm-hmm. I, I guess they've identified where the Garden of Eden. You know, is. I never traveled anywhere in my own country because. The time that I <laughs> kind of could understood about traveling, we left. But yeah, um, you were fairly young when you left. Yeah, but that's one of my dreams to just drive the whole area that is left out of the Great Persian Empire. Mm-hmm. Study about. Well, it's a beautiful places. land. It's beautiful. It's certainly not the uh, stock footage of the Sahara Desert that we see on CNN. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 I think CNN gets like stock footage of some desert in Arizona and said, and just says, this is Iran. Yeah, sometimes you we get, watch like, CNN and BBC like, right. which part of Iran is this that we right, are yeah. so we don't even know? <laughs> yeah, you have like a three second video clip because that's just how they do their production. I have camera, is so and, tiny. Yeah, and so you just have this idea of Iran as just this barren wasteland mm. and those poor souls who are stuck living there under that totalitarian government. And it, you just you just miss the point. You don't have any sense of reality. The reality is that it's a very beautiful, vibrant, lush it's area. It's just like anywhere in the world. Tehran is just like New York. And nobody knows it. <laughs> right. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when the the the... Powers that be and the status quo calls the shots. You know they they call they write the story for the the news media outlets that want to be in their good graces. They just they say what 
they they say what their masters want to hear. Mm. But anyways, you're not going to dive into that. That's a sad story. No, I'm just I, no, we don't want to talk in detail. I'm just saying that uh, people my eyes have been opened since I've known you in the last 3 years of, as to how what, what what we're missing by by hiding Iran from our consciousness. I wonder why you didn't get away from me when I the very first thing I told you, are you sure you want to be with me? I am from Iran. Mm-hmm. Right. You so sh- you expected me to say, oh, you're a dirty Iranian. I want nothing to do with you. God bless America. Yeah, it's not something new. Fight the I would have just smiled and said bye. <laughs> yeah. You were expecting me to say, oh, so why do you hate America? And click, goodbye, never want to talk to you again. Yeah, something like that. Or curse me. The people from America who could just come and throw garbage at you. <laughs> right. Well, that's the way we're conditioned. If uh, if you uh, take Fox News seriously, then yeah, I can see how someone would react that way. But I think I was in a frame of mind where I don't take those news outlets very seriously. And I, I, I guess I was just open to to learning new things. And thank goodness. I, I thought you just learning new new things because I was maybe the very first Iranian you met in your life and you were not serious. And I'm like, okay, very soon he's going to get tired <laughs> after he knows all the stories. But then you didn't even want to learn about my culture. You didn't want to know anything about. Oh, that's not true. It's true. Oh, yeah. And that's why we talk about it constantly on this show that we put out you, for the public. You started kind of like want to know about the language and the culture and want to know more about me because because I think because you want to change, you want to be a good husband. That's why you're doing that. And I just don't want you to suffer well, to learn my language or learn my culture. The important thing is that I'm doing it, honey. It doesn't matter the motive. I'm doing it. <laughs> doesn't matter that all I want to do is breed <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is that I'm doing it <laughs> and I have a I have a subscription to the service called Persian Pod 101 and it teaches uh, the Persian language and I'm learning it little by little <laughs> so don't worry honey when I come there we will go to Shabishair means yeah Night of poetry, and you're gonna meet a lot of Persians, Iranians. Yeah, great. many of for, them from before Shah or King, who came mm-hmm. to states, and they have a lot yeah. of valuable uh, things to share. Can't wait! Like you're saying that you expected me to just hang up right away when you said that you're from Iran. That never crossed my mind. To like, I was never, never, ever thought that I would not talk to someone because of their nationality especially if they're from iran because they're in the the on the uh the shit list of um, the american government if anything that would be motivation for me because i have my issues with the american government that that was if anything it was motivating for me to get to know this person a little better and plus if america has time and energy to fight with a country Probably that other country have of the same power as them. Otherwise, why they want to waste it? If uh, why why 
um, not why, um, if we were, if our country was not having any significant impact in the world, then I don't think America would even want to engage with us. Well, I think a better question is why are the war hawks in Washington, D.C. always saying we need to go to war with Iran, but it never happens. Why? That's another thing. Because we're we're conditioned to think that every country out there is a pushover. Yeah, that could be one reason. But I think the main reason why they would never, ever bomb Iran is they could go to neighboring countries like Afghanistan, Iraq to pressurize us, but they would never bomb us. First of all, we have the biggest gas and natural natural gas and oil reserve. Second of all, the port that it's always is the reason of fight and there's their drone coming in, our drone goes to their limit and I don't know all these stories. That port is the only port, shipping port, for all the neighboring countries from east, north and west, which are double locked countries. Double locked countries means the country do not have any access to any body of water. So you know that the cheapest shipping in the world is ocean freight. No man, no manufacturing organization or any industry will use flight or train. Train is too long. Flights are absolutely expensive. They would fail in their business. Ocean freight is, you know, turning the wheel of the economy and make these businesses and trade works. So if... Anytime America bomb Iran, that means the whole world going to go in war with America. From Europe, Russia, India, China, even why when I come here to Vietnam with 10 other American and British, I get my uh, work permit and my um, temporary resident card two months before my arrival and all my colleagues have to come here and work every month. They have to pay for renewal of their visa. After six, seven months, they allowed them to have a TRC. I talked with them and they said, because our government, they don't say it because they're afraid of America, but they have hidden talks with Iran on oil and gas and you are giving us some free stuff. That's why when you guys come in here, it's much easier. That's what my friend told me. So a lot of dirty things going behind the scene and media is just another TLC <laughs> channel for me. Entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you take if you take those things too seriously, it can really affect your mindset and your outlook on life. It's just ninety because days fiance show. Yeah. <laughs> If you think that Fox News and CNN or the BBC doesn't have an agenda, uh, man, I'm sorry to break it to you, but they most certainly do. Their agenda is to make money and uh, as much as possible of it. And the best way to do that is to get in the good graces of their of their rulers. And that's just it's just as simple as that. So you're going to craft your narrative um, so that you're. Uh, so you can stay stay in the pocketbook of of your benefactors. Uh, you know, honey, I always say we live. I mean, forget about um, what do you call our belief and faith. 
But looking at reality, I always tell even my students for past 10 years that we are living in a very, very dangerous world. Not because of natural disaster, not because of wild animals or uncertainties, but because of these two-legged creatures called human. You should not be worried about guns, war, or which country has maximum number of nuclear weapons. If here is corrupted, here means the mind, the head. You cannot control it. You cannot reach out into a skull of a person and fix that mentality, that um, something that they believe and change it. And the button to all the nuclear wars and chemical wars is in those hands. And it's just one click. Destroy humanity and life and the world itself. No, I, I agree. Guns don't kill people. Kill people kill people. The old saying goes. Um, so, I mean, if you take away people's guns, if someone wants to do harm to someone else, they're going to do it, whether they have a gun or not. They found a way to do so before guns existed, and um, guns maybe make it a little bit more um, convenient or kind of takes the humanity, the human element out of it to some degree. But... Um, it's still a person pulling the trigger. Mm-hmm. That's why when we talked last time in our previous podcast, when we talked about Fred, I mm-hmm. I think we, maybe me and you, we should be so strong in our mind that those small things should not make us angry. For mm-hmm. me, people spitting at me, cursing me, and even cause some trouble that maybe deprive me with, from my opportunities in this world, I still, like you said, maybe I grieve over it a week maximum and I mm-hmm. hold grasp of it and move right. on. Right. Because I always look at a very, very big picture, <clears throat> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one more thing I just remembered. I think it was in Connecticut. There was this school shooting where the chief of what is that? RNA or NRI? What is it? Uh, the NRA, NRA. NRA, yeah. National Rifle Association. Yeah, I so I sat in front of the TV and I was watching. How how come I was very you know it was a big question how people live in that country uh, where their news is all about shooting, crime, drugs, and they call themselves free. And then I I watched him coming on the TV. I wanted to see what he's going to say. I was waiting for him to ban it, that people having guns and put some control over people, uh, <laughs> put a leash on a beast. <laughs> and then he said something, some sort of like, maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me, that um, in order to protect you, the society, uh, we give, the guns should not be in the hand of the uh, criminals or bad people, we give guns to the hand of good people. And I was like, with my mouth, eyes, nose, everything open. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. So this chief director or whatever knows who are the good people because I am trying to, I'm now like how many years old and I'm trying to find some good people <laughs> that I can trust. <laughs> and he's talking about, he knows good people and he give them gun. I think that, 
statement itself was absurd. No mm. basis. I mean, anybody you give something to them, right? A weapon. And if yeah. for any chance, any second, they feel unsafe, they use it to defend themselves. So any bad or good guy can become bad and use the weapon on innocent. I think I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think, and I think that you're right. Uh, it's a very dangerous thing. And if it's in the hands of someone who's untrained, not just in how to actually work the gun, but if they if they just have an undisciplined mind and an undisciplined outlook on life in general, yes, it's extremely dangerous. Um, a gun that is in the hands of someone who is well-grounded in life, who understands the concept of self-defense, who takes the, uh, the sanctity of life seriously and understands the consequences of their actions when they pull that trigger. Uh, it, again, it, it depends on the person holding it. The guns don't, guns don't just fire themselves. Uh, if the person is mentally unstable or is, uh, got, got issues going up, up upstairs, or if they're if they're just not, uh, you know, if they, if they don't understand how to take life seriously, yeah, it's dangerous. And even even a so-called good person who's who doesn't really intend harm to someone, uh, this person can uh, do do. You know, they they they'll react to a certain situation, uh, something gets out of hand and uh, something that might end in a fist fight at worst, well, it ends in someone uh, losing their life. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tragic. But the answer is not to just take guns away from people, so-called good people or bad people, because someone's going to have guns either way. So I wasn't exactly sure how that uh, that story about the <laughs> piano tuning was going to turn into a conversation. I wasn't. I had no idea what would come of it, but it turned into this discussion about um, weapons and. What, I mean, what else did we talk about? It certainly wasn't about. But piano it was tuning connected. Connect- being in the people business. Yeah, but it's connected to the story. It came out of your story somehow. It led to these next topics right it wasn't directly connected to it but it it led naturally because of our own inclinations and our own uh thought processes and i'll bet dean may if i know any if what from what i know about him on uh, my interactions with him on facebook he'd be he'd be pleased to know that (laughs) this discussion went the direction it went because he's a he's a straight shooter to use that term uh, he he just tells it like it is, the way he sees it, and I think we did him proud by <laughs> this discussion going the way it did from that story he shared. Okay, Dean, if you're hearing this, we would love to have you on our show. Yeah, we to should. To hear your yeah, commentaries. He seems, he seems like a good guy. He's a motorcycle enthusiast. <clears throat> oh, wow. We should and invite him to Vietnam. Uh, okay, I'll I'll see if he wants to get on the next flight. You know, here is, you know, in Vietnam, it's very popular. People come here to just go, go on the borders of mm-hmm. um, what is called Mekong River, all the right. Delta countries, Laos, Cambodia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Myanmar, yeah. with motorbike. 
In fact, if you check online, uh, Chicks and Bikes, I think, the founder of it is an Iranian girl who came to Vietnam. And she has brought together all the females and some guys who <laughs> they plan and they just go with motorbike everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah, her name is Sarir Afshin. Afshin, okay. I think. Oh, Sarir. Chicks, ch- chicks and bikes, huh? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's somebody we could interview for the show someday. Yeah, sure. I can talk to her. Yeah, let's do it. Um, sure. Next, next time I'm over there, we'll uh, we'll make it happen. Yes, we we'll can go. Person interview. Yeah, we will go to Hanoi to see her, and uh, you will you will see another Iranian woman who is activist, strong. <laughs> and activist. Yeah, she is definitely very strong. <laughs> okay. Girl, she brought together all the nationalities, and she is controlling them, like basketball mm-hmm. rolling on her finger. <laughs> right. And she's she's younger than me. Uh-huh. I don't know. I forgot how old is she, but she's a bit younger than me. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have reached the point of our conversation where it is time to sign off. And I'm going to let you do the honors this time, sweetheart. Yep. Yep. You're on. Do it. The camera's rolling. Funny faces are not going to save you, sweetheart. Give us the call to action. Sana is like scared to death of giving the call to action for the episode. She's like, I I can't even tell you what she's doing to get out of this. But all you have to say is what I say. What should I say? Just say what I say to end an episode, honey. Thank you for tuning in, listening to my boring husband talking about piano and guns. I don't know what's the relation between these two. But um, we are going to come back again with much more interesting topics and um, exciting times together. To learn more about us, go to jamesandsana.com. 